Yo, what's going on, people? It's another episode of Off the Line Fantasy Football Podcast, episode 74. This week, we're going to be talking about the NFC East and the fantasy, you know, the fantasy previews for each of the teams in the division. Of course, I got the homie Ike with me to, you know, to talk about the NFC East. Our, our beloved Cowboys are in this division. Cowboys, we're in the Cowboys. Yes, sir. Yeah, 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 yeah. I see that. And of course, since we're talking about NFC East, we got to bring in a special guest. We're bringing in one half of 4D Chess podcast under the Destination Devi podcast channel network, wherever you want to call it, the conglomerate. We got the one and only, you know, the eagle lover himself, Mike. How you doing today? The 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 half the third of a beard guy. <laughs> oh man. I know. What's going on? How you doing? I'm doing good. We did this episode last year, didn't we? The NFC sure preview did. looked at it. We had a great time, if I remember right, too, and we kept it civil. We we threw a few jabs in there, but you know, no haymakers. We weren't swinging to knock each other's heads off, and yeah, uh, the season worked out much better for me as an Eagles fan than it did for you guys, other than the uh, the Super Bowl loss, which still hurts today. But that'll happen to you. At least y'all got there, right? At, At least y'all got, got there. there right? Yep. Yep. No, I'm I'm doing good, man. I'm excited to do this. I always like talking about the Eagles. Uh, I love to hear about the division rivals, the Cowboys, because you know. We have the probably the best rivalry in sports, if we're being honest. The Eagles and the Cowboys hate each other with a passion, but it's always good to get on and ch- chop, chop it up with you guys about it. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. We did do it last year, and it was pretty civil because, as you understood, that we're pretty civil when it, we're pretty logical. We know we're not in our emotions when we talk about the Cowboys. We like to be very realistic, so um, mm-hmm. you know, amen. Like, amen. Like to be very real about it compared to if you know the. Other Cowboys fans, I'm sure you know, they're very, you know, every year we're going to the Super Bowl. So we ain't, and, we and ain't the sky, one of those. The sky, the sky is falling and everybody sucks. <laughs> Fire everyone. <laughs> yeah. Cut this guy. Cut that guy. We need to get rid of this guy. We need to get rid of that guy. It's just, it's it's exhausting. So we, Gene and I, we choose not to engage uh, with a lot of that crap. So. No. Uh, I was like look, looking at your Twitter too when something bad happens with Dallas because you're the most <laughs> real ones about it. Uh, generally during this time of the year, uh, all the Cowboys fans that I personally know or interact with, those guys always think they're winning the Super Bowl. And, you know, about mid-September, that, that usually changes somehow, and then the tune is much different. Well, let's let's get through training camp, man. Let's get some preseason games before I start, you know, giving some some expectations for the team. But, I mean, we'll, well, we'll get into it as we get into, you know, talking about the Cowboys preview. But real quick, before we even get into the show, you know, go ahead and shout out some of the things that y'all have going on because I mean, y'all have had you know a lot of things happening with uh you know with South Harmon with with 4D Chess. I mean, from the last time that we've had you on here, even shoot, the last time we even talked outside of you know doing a pod. So go ahead, you know, kind of talk about some of them things real quick. It has been a crazy ride since the last time we hooked up on this show here and talked about it. It is a I don't want to say a meteoric rise, but it's been one of those things that I don't understand. Uh, I'm just a big dummy who likes to talk about football, specifically dynasty. And if you do a draft with me, I'll probably take all the quarterbacks and then hold you over a barrel for them. And for some reason, people like listening to me. I have no idea why my wife doesn't listen to me. But uh, we launched a website about a month ago. Uh, that's been taken off. Big shout out to our partner now, uh, the third member of South Harmon, Koopa Troopa. He put together an awesome warp tool and 
people really seem to uh to be enjoying it and using it and i'm learning so much myself just going through it it seems like every week i find a new way to use it so it's been crazy southharmonff.com apparently uh people like it and i even sell merchandise on their stupid shirts and <laughs> hats and <laughs> i got a phone case coming right i had to get my old oh, company shoot. logo on a phone yeah, case. i got a nice little quarter zip and a nice shirt courtesy of you guys last from last year so yeah i still wear that regularly oh, oh, be, look at look at gene representing <laughs> my no, guy there'll be you. more there'll be more at the expo for sure i'm sure adam's gonna have like boxes of stuff that he ordered off the website <laughs> just to give out i know him yeah. so yeah it's been uh it's been crazy you want to check us out you just come over go to the website it has our youtube links it has our podcast links even the stuff that we do here at destination debbie all the links are on there that feeds on there so you can check out everybody because we have so many good content creators what ray has put together here putting you guys on first and then he, he took a shot on an adam and myself and then you, we got scott connor there just every single week going <laughs> putting up fire content where you go man this makes me think really hard and i don't like it, it hurts my head <laughs> yeah for real for real we do got a lot of a lot of you know talent a lot of things that are out under the the umbrella i mean y'all even branched out you know cooper trooper he's very i mean being in the in the discord the destination debit discord you just you know his understanding of like warp and how he put it together is just you know just amazing so it's good to see you and and mike and uh you and adam and now cooper trooper i know <laughs> seeing y'all put together something like that is just amazing just you know just to see y'all kind of grow you know pretty much at the same time that me i came through so uh you know just glad to see that happening for y'all honestly yeah, we uh we've made some lifelong friends just because of Destination Debbie. Like this has brought so many people together. We made friendships with, you know, last year at the expo was the first time I ever got to meet most of you guys in person. Yep. So it was incredible mm -hmm. getting to chop it up with you. And I'm looking forward to it again this year. I understand, Gene, that you have some uh some prior <laughs> responsibilities with yeah, the newborn. Man. So uh yeah, not as easy for you to get away. But yeah. like we're gonna do a big I'll 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 drink for for Gene, I'll, I'll take up the party and for him. I appreciate that. Sounds appreciate good. That. Sounds good. All right. So let's go ahead and get into the show. I know people are probably t tired of us talking and whatnot, but before we get into the first team, which would be the Eagles, since you're the, you know, the guest of the show, I want to talk about something really quick that just dropped today. I'm sure people have seen all over Twitter, Adam Schefter going on the, the Pat McAfee show and, you know, talking about the San Francisco quarterback situation, basically saying, Nobody, nobody called called for Trey Lance in terms of trade wise. Uh, nobody's interested in him. Purdy is the number one when he's healthy, and Darnold is most likely the number two. Uh, you know, even after seeing all these, you know, the videos on Twitter with Lance's, you know, throwing motion, you know, being upgraded, updated, looking better, and still, from from his reports, it looks like it doesn't matter. You know, he he's he's the th he's the practice squad guy essentially. So. Mike, I know you're the 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 biggest Trey Lance, you know, hype hype master or hype man that I know uh, around these parts. So, with this news today, how do you feel about Trey Lance now? So, if I saw what everybody else saw, and for me as the Trey Lance truther, I looked at it a little bit harder. And what did what did Schefter actually say? Right, he said that they didn't receive any trade interest or calls for Trey Lance. But then he turned right around and he said they haven't had any trade discussions involving Trey Lance. So 
does that mean they actually didn't call or they said that we're not engaging? I have no idea. But anyways, the next part was he used language like, I believe Brock Purdy's the number one. And I believe Sam Darnold's the number two. And I believe Trey Lance will have the opportunity to battle for the number one job if Brock Purdy can't go. A lot of ifs, a lot of outs. Um, I don't want to take too many shots at Schefter because he's been doing it for a long time. But also in the last couple of years, I think we've all seen, if you've been on Twitter and you've kind of been in the space, some of his credibility has gone out the window at times. <laughs> so when you're using words like I believe and this is what I think and you're not saying according to my sources, according to people within the organizations who I've talked to, I don't put a lot of stock in it. Trey Lance is talented. We know that. We don't know if he's actually a good NFL quarterback, but what I do know is Brock Purdy is not a good NFL quarterback, and I'm staunch on that one. And I know that Sam Darnold is not a good NFL quarterback. Oh, so we definitely know that one. Simple yeah. simple subtraction here just says, hmm, Trey Lance is the QB1 in San Francisco, unless they're dumb, which is possible, and they end up moving him at some time. And if they move him, he's still young enough where it's not like this is it. He's not ever going to get a shot anywhere. I mean – Baker Mayfield is bouncing around from team to team, going going back and forth. We just I just mentioned it. Sam Darnold is not a good quarterback. This is his third situation, right? And if people still want to believe he's a good quarterback, just think about it. Draft capital carries a lot of weight. If San Francisco decides to move on from Trey Lance, whether it's trade or just outright release, there's going to be suitors. So for me, playing dynasty for multiple years doesn't bother me that much. Now, in the redraft mindset, yeah, this would scare the shit out of you. <laughs> this should scare yeah. the shit out of you if you already have Trey Lance and done your redraft. Yep. Ike, what was your thoughts? I think they just need to go ahead and trade him to the Falcons. <laughs> just just trade him to the Falcons because they got weapons. We're not we don't even know what the hell is going what 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 we're gonna expect out of Desmond Ritter, but um, it, it's 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 ridiculous at this point because you know you 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 gave up all that draft capital to go to 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 draft him, you know to take him at number three overall. You at least have to give him every every opportunity, you know, to show that he's worth it. And all these you know erroneous reports they are erroneous because it is June and we know how the June news cycle does, right? June news cycle is is one of the worst news cycles in sports because you get a lot of silly silly shit that. You know all these you know, all these all these reports you see they they end up being um, you know borderline irrelevant uh, when 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 August and September hit. So, um, but yeah, it's you know in a, in a league where Baker Mayfield is still is still the starting quarterback of a team, and we're going to see Colt McCoy or Clayton Toon or whoever the hell you can just name any of these slapdick quarterbacks. Trey Lance can't even beat out Sam Darnold. That like, that is that is literally insane to me. Like the the entire concept of that is just insane to me. Um, this they they have to give him a chance. They have to give him a chance. And um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of on Mike's side with regards to Brock Purdy. He was just in a a very very good situation where, you know, they had very you know their their weapons were were fully healthy. You know, they had Christian McCaffrey, who was like one of the best receiving backs we've we've ever seen. Um, you know, George Kittle was was fully healthy. Debo Samuel got healthy. Brandon Ayuk had a career year, so you know he had a, a plethora of, of weapons to throw to towards the end of the season that made him look a lot better than he really did. And because if you look at all the advanced metrics between Jimmy Garoppolo and 
in, in Brock Purdy, you know, uh, you know, EPA per play, you know, completion percentage over expected. They were literally the Spider-Man meme. <laughs> yep. So I, I don't know what Brock Purdy does significantly better than what, what he did significantly better than, than Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, you know, somebody would, you know, slap me in the face and say, hey, watch the games. They were they were a much better offense. They scored more points. Well, because they had they were more healthy. You know, Christian McCaffrey had a lot to do with that. You know, them trading for Christian McCaffrey midseason had a lot to do with that. So, um, yeah, I, I just I don't know, man. It, it, it's it's it, it is it is a, a gut punch to trade to trade Lance Truthers like like Mike. Um, but, you know, we'll have to just see how it plays out, you know, in training training camp and see if this is if this is BS or if this is legit. Yeah, I'm going to stay patient with this one. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, we've said it numerous times on here, like it, I mean, it took a, it was a, a storm that what Brock party did, but again, like you look at the numbers, like he looked the exact same, like Jimmy G was, I think he, his touchdown to interception ratio was what? 15 to four, 15 to two before to he four. got hurt. 16 yeah. Four. Like, okay. And Brock Purdy comes in, pretty much does the same thing. So I'm like, hmm. I've seen Nick Mullins come in and do the same thing. I've seen C.J. Beathard come in and damn near do the same thing. So I'm like, I, but they, but they weren't winning games, Gene. They weren't winning yeah. games, man. I don't yeah, know. That's, man. The, that's the let, problem, right? That's the problem we hear. I just, I don't know, man. I just not. I don't. He's cool. He's just a guy to me. Brock Purdy's just a guy to me. I don't. I He's don't see right. this. The the one that always got me last year was, you know, he was winning games and he does make some great like off schedule plays, right? He does have that mm-hmm. scramble ability around. And that's that's fun to watch and all. But if we just talk about accuracy and throws, like people were losing their minds in that Seahawks playoff game when he threw mm-hmm. that pass to Jawan Jennings. And I you guys have been around football. I've been around football. We've been on teams and like watched this game passionately for years. It is one of the worst angles by a safety I've ever seen. Like he completely misjudged the angle to break up that pass. And he takes a, a halfway better angle. That's a pick. And all yeah, of a sudden yeah. he just lost in the game. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's not a game winner. It's a game loser. But people are like, look at this throw. It's amazing. I was like, yeah, it's, it's kind of average, man. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see whenever it's week one. We'll see who's starting. I don't know, man. It's just Wait it's just a big, big. Big question mark. Just a big giant question mark. Let's go ahead and start with the chance for this, uh, you know, NFC preview, man. Mike, go ahead. Uh, The defending NFC East champions, the defending NFC champions, the Philadelphia Eagles. Let's go. I'm ready to talk about them. I'm ready to talk about them. Uh, Big, big, the biggest news to me with Philadelphia in the offseason. Outside of we did the draft stream, it was incredible what Howie Roseman was able to pull off in the draft stream. It just seemed. It seemed like he was a magician <laughs> moving up and down the draft board at will, similar to how I like to do it in a startup dynasty league. So it was very fun to watch that one. Uh, but for me, for this year, I think the biggest news that I had was the acquisition of DeAndre Swift. They let go of Miles. I know Sanders. that's right. I know that's right. Right. They they let go of Miles Sanders and and surprisingly, Miles Sanders was very good for Philadelphia and he was very good for fantasy last year. Now, in the Super Bowl, uh, he really let us down, uh, but we don't play fantasy for the Super Bowl <laughs> year long. So I'm OK. I'm OK with that. It, it just hurt my fandom. But for fantasy, he was very good. He had that twelve hundred yard season. 
surprisingly, just kind of under the radar. Holy crap, Miles Sanders ran for 1,200 yards last year. Didn't do a lot of work in the receiving game, but that was fine. And I plugged that warp tool that we have on our website. And if I look at underdog scoring, right, so I can plug in underdog scoring, look at the league and see in a best ball format like underdog, where was Miles Sanders last year in that? He ended up finishing as the 23rd overall player in Warp, which is really surprising because he's around names like Amon Ross St. Brown, who's at 22, who I absolutely love and I'm over the moon. But ahead of like Dalvin Cook, Jalen Waddle, Cooper Cup obviously was injured, but Aaron Jones, Amari Cooper, like Miles Sanders in that format and half PPR was incredibly efficient. And you replace him with a guy that I think is a much better talent in all aspects. I think DeAndre Swift is a much more explosive runner, a much better runner of the football, and definitely, definitely a much better pass catcher than Miles Sanders could ever hope to be. The question we always have with DeAndre Swift has been injury. But I had those same questions about Miles Sanders for the last three years, so it doesn't really matter at this point. It's a a one-for-one upgrade, in my opinion. And I'm interested to see how they use him. See if that, you know, Miles Sanders only had 20 receptions last year. See if that maybe goes to 32, maybe gets pushed up closer to 40 with DeAndre Swift. Um, just because he is that that kind of weapon where you do want to get the ball in his hand as much as possible. So DeAndre Swift with the Eagles, that was the first thing that I wanted to talk about and look at. No, you heard Ike in the offset just, you know, talk about, yeah, he liked that move because he's one of the De- DeAndre Swift truthers. So hopefully he gets unlocked. But I was going to say, uh, I think a lot of people underestimated how good Sanders was, even though he he probably missed out on some touchdowns that were sniped, but he still had a career in terms of yards, even touchdowns with double-digit touchdowns. I know me and Ike, before the beginning of the last season, we said that he was going to have positive regression, and we expected him to you know score a lot of touchdowns, and that's what he did. I know a person that you didn't mention that is probably going to come into play in some way is Rashad Penny. Another guy that's always hurt, another guy that when he's got an opportunity, he's shined, but he's always hurt. So uh, we'll see. I mean, we'll we'll talk about that conundrum at the end of this offset, talking about the Eagles. We also did see Jonathan Gannon, you know, get picked off to the Arizona Cardinals. We saw Steichen, uh, the offensive coordinator for the Eagles, get taken to the Indy. And you got two brand new coordinators. Do you have any opinions about those two? Most of the time, I don't pay attention to coordinators unless they're bad, right? A lot of these guys are unknown. We have no idea. They don't really have a history. You just, they were promoted from, let's say, if you're an offense coordinator, a lot of times it's like the quarterback's coach gets promoted, and this is his first gig as an offense coordinator. Defense coordinator, kind of the same thing. So I don't really have any opinions about Brian Johnson or uh, or the, uh, what was the other one, Sean Desai? Never heard I of him. Say, yeah, <laughs> don't know either one of them. And it doesn't really matter until they have a history and you know whether or not they're bad. Like we heard all the time about Matt Canada and Pittsburgh. And I only heard about Matt Canada when he was in college and it wasn't fun <laughs> when he was in college. And it's not fun when he's in the NFL. Right? <laughs> so like if you get that bad reputation, it just kind of carries with you. I know the one Adam and I joke about all the time is the changeover in Baltimore, right? Greg Roman's old antiquated system of, you know, props to him for playing around the strengths of his quarterback at the time. But at some point they figured out his offense and it became a painful thing to watch. So it feels like every time we talk about the Baltimore Ravens, we're always 
injecting Todd Monk in offense, Todd Monk in offense. And we were talking about the last night. I don't even know what the hell that means. I don't know what a Todd Monk in offense is until I actually see it in the NFL. I mean, we can talk the big good, good body nonsense talk that we do about college coaches or college coordinators coming over to the NFL, but we've seen those guys fail left and right. Chip Kelly was horrible. Uh, Joe Burrow in the run that they had with Joe Brady at LSU, we were all excited for him to go to the Panthers and how that worked out for us. So I don't put too much stock into an offense coordinator until I actually get to see what the heck they do. Like, is he, is he worth it or is he not? <laughs> Either he's good or he's bad. Ike, what are your thoughts? Uh, just real quick. Um, I just I kind of want to circle back on on Swift and Penny. Uh, Mike, are you taking a lot of them in best ball so far? Uh, most of the stuff that I do is in Dynasty. Uh, I'm I'm over the moon on DeAndre Swift, and I'm more than willing to hop back in and get hurt again. I'm ready to go back into that. Rashad Penny, I really don't have a lot of interest in, and it's just the way I team build. Like I'm sure he's probably a fine grab in Dynasty and a startup if you're doing it like the 18th, 19th, 20th round. But it's just a point where I'm usually trying to fill because I'm fading the the piss out of tight ends at this point. I'm usually just throwing darts at tight end walls. So I'm not drafting running backs. My running backs are done. Redraft, on the other hand, I think Penny's probably worth a shot. Um, but the, the general thing is if I were to take a DeAndre Swift, which I probably will because I'm so bullish on him and I'm going to wind up with more shares of him than a lot of other running backs, one for my fandom, Two, because I love DeAndre Swift as a player and I love his talent. I love the situation. I'm never handcuffing. So Rashad Penny automatically becomes off the table. If I take DeAndre Swift earlier in the draft, I'm never looking at Boston Scott, Kenneth Gainwell, Rashad Penny. I just don't care. Yeah, you're, you're, you're betting against yourself if, you, if, you, if, you're, if you're handcuffing. So, um, but yeah, Swift, he's been a top, top 24 running back you know, every single year that he's been on the field. I mean, I know he's played, what, 13, 14, and 14 games over those last three years, but I mean, I he's he's super efficient when he touches the ball, man. I, I just I, I I have to take I have to take Swift whenever he's available, like the sixth or seventh round right now in best ball, because I think you know obviously best ball is the only thing that's that's going on right now outside of dynasty dynasty leagues. And so I like Swift at you know RB twenty three. I think that's his price right now versus you know Rashad Penny at RB thirty seven. I've said this before. Early in the offseason, the Eagles did not commit a bunch to him, right? They've only his his contract was only 600k guaranteed. Well, who's to say that he, you know, disappoints in training camp and gets hurt and and potentially they could just cut ties um, before the season starts? He may not be make he may not make the roster. There's a possibility of that. Um, Is it likely? No, but there's a non-zero chance that it happens given how much they invested in him. Well, they they liked him so much that during the draft they went and traded for DeAndre Swift when exactly. they knew he was available. Right? <laughs> exactly. That's how much they liked him. That's how much they liked him. And they plus they still have Boston Scott. They still have Kenneth Gainwell. They still right. have all these other running backs that you have to keep Boston Scott away. around. You have to keep Boston Scott around for the two games against the Giants. The Giants. It's, it's mandatory <laughs> at this point where he scores three or four touchdowns total. Yeah, um, crazy in games. Crazy. All right, so let's go ahead and touch about touch on some key fantasy players. First off, of course, we got a name who I believe has been the best fantasy quarterback the last two years. You know, last the year before, the only reason why he didn't finish quarterback one is because he got hurt. He hurt his, he got hurt. I think week twelve, and then he it's didn't the really Giants, I believe. Yeah, and he didn't come back to week sixteen, but he was quarterback one up until that point. And again last year, he was pretty much quarterback one again until he got hurt again. 
uh, Jalen Hurts, who finished QB2 last season, uh, no, finished QB1 at points per game at almost 26 points per game. He's Q going QB2 right now and underdog pretty much at 24, 25, so pretty much the, the turn at the end of the second, the beginning of the third. Uh, finished top five in terms of uh, games played. Uh, not games played, but top five in terms of the percentage of percentage of times he finished the top five quarterback, which I think was almost 75% of the games in 2022. Yeah, 11, 11 to 15 games. Yeah, he was, he, he yeah. was, a, he was a top five quarterback. Ridiculous. Yeah, crazy. Uh, efficiency across the board was higher than it was the previous year. And especially this past year, because he had he was 21st in pass attempts per game. We see him almost 0.2 EPA per drop back, which was fifth in the league. He hit, finished with 13 touchdowns with 760 yards, which was the most carries per game in the red. And also he had the per, most carries in the red zone. I mean, we saw how many times did they run the QB sneak in the red zone or anywhere fourth down. And it was unstoppable. Like he, it was automatic first down. Uh, which is the reason why they changed the rule now uh, is because of the what the Eagles did this past season. And then, I'll, you know, lots of lots of design runs that he had this pre- this uh, past season. And we obviously everybody saw him. He was the most elite quarterback runner this past season also. So uh, just somebody, again, that I probably if I have choice of my first quarterback, it's either him or Mahomes. It just really depends on how my profile, uh, my portfolio do I have if I have like five Mahomes and three Hertz, I'm going to take Hertz in that situation, vice versa. So I can't blame anybody that takes QB uh, takes Hertz as QB one. So, Mike, you got anything to add to you know your your amazing quarterback that y'all read up for five years? I think uh, this time when we did the show last year, I was still in my uh, Jalen Hurts drinking the Jalen Hurts hater raid. And mm-hmm. it was more just cost, cautious, me being cautious, because I've been let down so many times as an Eagles fan. I can be honest about it all the time. You get your heart broke left and right. Jalen Hurts, not only, like, I've apologized to Jalen Hurts for my hate. I've apologized for the takes I had on Jalen Hurts. He's incredible. And the fact that we're having the conversation about who's the number one quarterback in fantasy football right now is is a big statement to make about Jalen Hurts and his work that he put in. Like Jalen Hurts from 2021 to 2022, I know people will look at the numbers and the fantasy points and they go, well, it's pretty similar. But the strides he made as a passer, his accuracy, his ball placement, like the Super Bowl throw that he made is one of the greatest throws I think I've ever seen. And this is a guy who we just knocked over and over again, specifically me for accuracy issues, his inability to do certain things. And we want to put him in this box of what he can and can't do. And he showed last year, it doesn't matter. Now, A.J. Brown coming over definitely helped unlock that entire offense, giving him that proper alpha. Devontae Smith is a fantastic wide receiver, but let's be honest, he's probably better suited off in the NFL as a number two and actually having a being a great compliment, which is no slight to him at all. It works well in Cincinnati with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Doesn't matter if you're the one or the two, if you're in a fantastic offense. But Jalen Hurts was incredible. Uh, Dynasty, I probably still want Patrick Mahomes, and it's not relatively close just from the numbers that he actually gives you. So, again, I'll just reference Warp. Like, if we look at underdog half PPR and their scoring, Patrick Mahomes per game 
is a 0.108 warp. So this this doesn't take into account all the games that you weren't active, right? So it doesn't hurt you as the overall. And Jalen Hurts comes in at a 0.104. And those they're relatively close, but those two guys are lapping the field. Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, not relatively close. Um, I understand in a dynasty setting, there's going to be people who like Josh Allen or Joe Burrow at two or three, and maybe Jalen Hurts falls to four. But for me personally, fandom, what I saw last year and what the numbers actually tell me, you should be taking Patrick Mahomes first. You should be taking Jalen Hurts second. It's not relatively close. Yeah, and then like the, the biggest thing with Jalen Hurts is obviously, um, like you said, Mike, you know, he was he made he made he made a huge strides as a passer, right? He was top five in, you know, EPA, top five in QBR, top five in passer rating. Um, I think it's deep ball completion percentage. You know, deep deep ball completion percentage was in was in the top five as well. Um, he was just super efficient <laughs> no matter what he did. No matter what he did. And obviously, you know, with this with this rushing, you know, 13 rushing touchdowns, a lot of those tush pushes is what they is what they call them, right? Um which tush <laughs> push. Which they didn't actually do anything from a rule from a rule perspective this offseason. So we're gonna see a lot more of those. Um he had 123 design rushes, which was the most in the NFL. So, you know, Jalen Hurts is is an elite scrambler. He's he's a, he's an elite rusher of the ball. And we're just probably gonna see, you know, business as usual. Um and he's gonna throw to his, you know, his uh, his two alpha dog wide receivers, who we'll talk about here in a second. Um, and that, you know, that basically that concentrated passing game and the concentrated target share that they have. Uh, and now that you're speaking about those wide receivers, you get A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. You can even add Dallas Goddard as the three concentrated players that are going to catch the ball for Jalen Hurts. And there's really no one else. You know, like we said, A.J. Brown, I know I was skeptical in terms of him being able to support, you know, Two potentially top 24 wide receivers, and these guys both finished within the top, what, 10 this past season, which was super crazy. Uh, AJ Brown came in and, you know, business as usual 88 receptions for almost 1,500 yards, 11 touchdowns. I mean, those are numbers that he didn't even do as a Titan. So just, you know, they just propelled each other. You know, he finished with almost 18 points per fantasy points per game, which was fifth. Top 10 to targets, attended air yards, target share, and, and target rate. Uh, yards after the catch, I believe he was also top 10. Just He was just he was elite. actually second, second yeah. in the NFL in, in yards after catch. Just crazy. everything everything was elite, man. Just, just yards after catch, target share, and yards per route run. Those are the three things that if you have that, if they're at least above average, I mean, for him, he was elite. So this is somebody that – Dynasty redraft keeper, whatever best ball. These are the t- this is the type of wide receiver that you want on your team because he's going to overcome any you know shortcomings that you might have everywhere else. Uh, Devonte Smith, he, he's going wide receiver thirteen right now, an underdog. Um, like I said, he finished within the top ten last year wide receivers. I mean, he had ninety five for almost twelve hundred yards and seven touchdowns himself, fifteen points per game, which was fourteenth. 14th in yards per route run with uh with 2.3, you know, uh decent decent with the yak category, but just another guy just, you know, like Mike said, he's better off as a two. You can't double him, and he's gonna beat the guy that's in front of him because he's just so fast. So just amazing one-two punch. And then Dallas Goddard, you know, solid tight end, tight end six right now, an underdog, you know, going basically at the uh beginning of the seventh round. Tight end five in points per game with almost 12. Uh, third in yards per route run is uh, 
uh, for the tight end position at 2.24, which is already elite for somebody to run over two. That's elite for for him to do it at his position is just, you know, just an added bonus. Number one in yards per target. I mean, he even, I mean, he missed five games and still was able to, you know, you know, be uh, a great contributor for your team. But Dallas Guard is a person that's struggled with health o- over his his short career. So I'm sure they're they're gonna want him to, you know, be healthy this year if they wanna, you know, take it over the top this year. But y'all have any thoughts about any of the pass catchers for the Eagles? Yeah, AJ Brown, right off. I'll just start with him. Absolutely incredible year that he had. Uh definitely silenced a lot of the critics that we had. We didn't think that, you know, he could stay healthy, right? The 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 exit from Tennessee wasn't wasn't great, wasn't graceful, uh, kind of just forced his way out. But AJ Brown, when he went to Philly, the connection he had right off the bat with Jalen Hurts was awesome. So much so that if you guys remember week one, I don't think Devontae Smith had a catch, and I don't even yep. know if he had a target. He might have had a couple targets. Yeah, I think he had like four targets or something. He, he had him. no catches, and AJ Brown was out there feasting and I remember doing the recap show with Adam going like, if I own Devontae Smith right now, I am extremely worried. It seems yeah. like Jalen Hurts only had eyes for uh, for A.J. Brown. But that definitely changed, especially towards the end of the year. Uh, when Dallas Goddard started missing time, you saw Devontae Smith really pick it up to an elite clip. And that target volume was just A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith. And that was it in the offense. Uh, A.J. Brown actually finished as the 13th overall player on the warp chart for underdog basketball scoring, which was incredible. So a point one oh six per game Uh, just for reference. I know Jamar Chase missed some time, but on a per game basis, he's point oh eight eight. So almost almost uh, two tenths of a win more per game that you're getting from a guy like A.J. Brown than Jamar Chase. And you kind of think about how differently people value them, even in a redraft setting is. It's kind of wild. So AJ Brown definitely elite. Devontae Smith, no slouch himself. Uh 21st, right ahead of Amon Ross St. Brown, who I will also just glowingly talk about how much I love Amon Ross. So that should put a, a good reference on how good Devontae Smith was in this offense as well. Yeah. And just 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 a real quick, how just to show how concentrated that you know the, the target share was, only four wide receivers from the Philadelphia Eagles got a target last season. Only four. Ooh. Only four wide receivers. So it, it was Jay, it was Devontae Smith, it was A.J. Brown, Quez Watkins, and I think, I don't know who the other guy was, but those are the only four wide receivers that got targets. So That would be a great trivia question. Can you name the other two? Can you name the other guy? Can you, can you name the other wide receiver that got a target? From I cannot. I cannot think of the person at yeah. all. So, um, I, I think it's, it's, it's wheels up and plus, you know, they, they only, they, they were only like 21st in, in pass in pass attempts for a game. So if they ramp that up a little bit more, um, you can see even more, even more fireworks for this offense. So, yeah. yeah uh, so fire up your Eagles, man. Fire up your Eagles. All right. So the question for the Eagles, Ike and Mike, I'm going to get y'all to answer this really quickly. How do you think the running backs are going to be used, uh, you know, with, you know, Miles Sanders leaving, uh, he leaves almost 50%. Rush attempts gone with his departure to uh, Carolina. How do you think that this this running back room is going to be used? Mike, you can go first. I think 50% for DeAndre Swift. Miles Sanders was at 58%. Swift the year before, last year was at 42% in Detroit. I'm just going to split the difference. We'll say 50% goes to DeAndre Swift. And if you can pull off 50% with a little bit increased usage in the, the passing game, wheels up for DeAndre Swift. Yeah, I mean, I I think um, in a perfect world, that's what I would like. 
Um, but I think if you know Rashad Penny stays, if if they if they retain shot Rashad Penny, um, you know through you know through the training camp and into the season, I think he'll factor in on early downs um, a little bit more. Uh, maybe maybe early on he'll factor into early or you know factor into you know early downs while you know Swift gets you know the the change of pace stuff and a hundred percent of the passing a hundred percent of the passing passing snaps passing downs. Um, but I think ultimately, as the season progresses, DeAndre Swift will show how superior of a talent that he is, and he'll take over that backfield. Um, but I think early on, they'll probably, you know, kind of ease, 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 you know, kind of ease their way into things with with uh, with Rashad Penny taking a little bit more of the rush attempts, you know, from uh, maybe the first couple of weeks, and then DeAndre Swift will, will definitely show you know, throughout the season. Now, health is obviously a big issue. He's always been banged up, ankle injury shoulder injury, groin injury, you name it. Like he's had all those injuries over the last three seasons, but still on a per on a per game basis, you know, at least like a, a top at least a top twenty four running back. No worse than a top twenty four running back. And so and that's just with him being limited. You know, you know how did, he fell out of favor with the coaches in Detroit last year. Um and he was still cooking. Like he was still better than every any running back on that on that team. Obviously Jamal Williams scored 17 touchdowns, but I mean even even on a on a on a per you know per touch basis, DeAndre Swift was much much was much better, second in yards per touch and yards created per touch um, last year. So I, I like I like Swift to take over this backfield by the end of the season. Yeah, it should be interesting once we once they start getting in that in the middle of the season to see where how they do these splits for that because you can also got to factor in that Jalen Hurts had d- damn near thirty one percent of the rush attempts for this you know for all rush attempts. So it should be interesting how. If they can dial him back and you know possibly use you know Swift and Penny, so you can take a little less beating on him because you know he missed he missed a game because of the shoulder. So, what's up, everybody? It's Ike from Off the Line Fantasy Football. I'm excited to announce that Destination Devi is partnering with Underdog Fantasy for the 2023 season. There's no better way to put your skills to the test against me and other top fantasy football analysts this off season. But here's the best part. If you use promo code OTLFF when signing up, you'll get a 100% deposit match of up to $100. And if you deposit $10, you'll get access to strategize with us in the Destination Devi Discord. Now, why is this important? You get additional stats, additional tips, and much more to dominate your drafts. And plus, and you know, we got all the information. We got all of the EDU for you. So what are you waiting for? Head over to underdogfantasy.com, sign up, and let's make this season one for the books. On to the New York Giants. For moves for them, they franchise Saquon, who's yet to sign. So that should be interesting. He's going to sign because he don't have no leverage. He's talking about how he's going to sit out. I don't think so, my friend. They traded for Darren Waller. Um, that should really unlock the offense, in my opinion. You got a six 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 seven tight end that can run. And you got a bunch of little little five eight five nine running uh, wide receivers. It's gonna be nasty if he can, you know, really be that presence that he was two years ago for the for the Raiders. Uh, they drafted Jalen Hyatt in the third round, speedster from Tennessee. That should be interesting to see how he factors in towards the end of the year. I don't think he's gonna do much at the beginning. And then they signed Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell, I mean, should be interesting how they use him. Uh, you're already hearing reports about him lining up in the backfield. You know, being used all over formation, potentially he's going to be the guy that leads the the wide receiver group in in touches and receptions. We'll see. I don't know. Um, 
y'all have any thoughts about the moves that they made? Yeah, just just real quick, like um, not even about the moves, just about the season that they had last year. It was pretty. It was pretty lucky. I think it was pretty pretty lucky. Um, they 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 exceeded expectations. Um, they you know they they had four they had four games. So here's here's a here's a uh, you know a tweet that I I had stumbled across. They had four games where they led by over seven points, um, and that was you know tied for the you know the second lowest with Houston that with two or that was that was the second lowest um Houston had the lowest amount of uh, of games uh, leading by over 7 points by comparison the Eagles had 14 games where they led by 7 or more points Baltimore had 14 as well and then Buffalo and Dallas were tied uh, were tied at 12 and so they didn't really lead that many games um by 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 a lot of points so it just kind of shows that they were just kind of scratching and clawing um for 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 a lot of the season and you know how they made the playoffs is beyond me um but i mean <laughs> i it is it is it is what it is um but the biggest thing that i i've noticed the, the biggest trend that i've noticed with their moves is that they're trying to get daniel jones weapons because they paid him 160 million dollar contract for before you know four for 40 you know uh four for 40 and uh you know they they want him to succeed and they want him. They want to get him some speed. Um, they, they probably want to take more deep ball, um, have more deep ball attempts. They had the third lowest A dot, um, across, you know, amongst all their passes uh, last year. Um, Daniel Jones only threw the ball over twenty plus yards, or only had twenty plus yard completions at five percent of his draw, of his attempts. Um, so that was ridiculous, ridiculously low. So, um, and then they didn't really pass the ball that much either. I mean, they didn't pass the ball. They were only 24th in pass in pass rate over expected. So, um, I think at the end of the day, these moves signified that hey, look, they want to they want to pass the ball a lot more and not be as run heavy. Yeah, it's interesting when you look at it. Uh, the wide receiver moves I absolutely hate for this offense because it just seems like a bunch of bunch of nobodies that I really don't care about. Uh, like I had high hopes for Jalen Hyatt, and then he slips to the third round, and I'm like, okay, well now you're dead to me. So that's awesome. <laughs> the, the Darren Waller thing was interesting. Then bringing him over, like I do like that for Waller, and hopefully he gets that concentrated target volume, and Darren Waller will be a thing again in fantasy. Uh, I have way too much of him in dynasty leagues, so that's also me just wish casting a little bit that he like <laughs> come back to me, please. Uh, but Daniel Jones, he had a good year. I remember there's people at this time last year like saying that Tyrod Taylor was going to be the starting quarterback because Daniel Jones is horrible, and you know he did okay. Uh, I also think though people got a little bit too over their skis. Like I saw in Dynasty, he was getting pushed up a little bit too far. Where you go, yeah, he's basically just a younger, like sexier looking Geno Smith at this point, ain't he? <laughs> like just without all yeah. the stink of a ninth year breakout. <laughs> we get yeah. <laughs> We get the late breakout with Daniel Jones, but we got a real late breakout with Geno Smith. So, I mean, he's fine. Uh, they, but, Ike, to your point, it did feel like they had a lot of lucky breaks last year that kind of put them in position. And I don't know. Man. I really don't know if they did enough in the offseason with their moves and their drafts to, like, succeed even more than what they did last year or if it's just going to, like, the best they can hope for is kind of be the same kind of offense. and. Saquon uh, will probably be the guy that you really want, and everybody else will just be okay. Now, I, I, I will say, and look, we'll, look, we'll, we'll just go ahead, just dive into Daniel Jones really quick. Daniel Jones was one of eight quarterbacks to average 18 fantasy points per game, so obviously that was a career high. He finished as a QB 10 in points per game, and so he, 
he did a lot of that with his, you know, with, with his rushing. He was top five in rushing yards, carries, and touchdowns uh, for quarterbacks. And he had 14% of the um, design, 14% of his runs were designed. And so he's, he was used by Brian Dayball in, in, in moments where it mattered, especially like in the red zone. They wanted to use more Daniel Jones. They wanted to use some Saquon Barkley as well. But um, that's where they wanted to, to kind of deploy both of them. Kind of like similar, similarly to how he was, de- how he uh, deployed Josh Allen in Buffalo, um, and that was one of the things that we we had looked at that potentially could, you know, Brian Dable could use Daniel Jones in a similar manner, and look what happened. He's a QB ten in fantasy, um, passing yards obviously not up to par, only averaged two hundred yards per game, which was a career low for him. And so again, like I like I mentioned from the outset, those the moves that they made this offseason. Signing, I don't know how many receivers they signed. They also signed Jamison Crowder. Uh, if you, if you, <laughs> I know <laughs> they have like six or seven receivers that they that they they might have signed this offseason alone. So I don't know. I, I don't know what the hell they're going to do. I mean, they had he had a career high in completion percentage and um, yards per attempt and, and, and you know inter- TD to interception ratio. He only threw fifteen touchdowns and had seven rushing touchdowns. And so um, and still. You know the the QB ten in points per game. So I think there's, I feel like there's room to grow um, there, especially because he's passing yards up. But I, I think I think Daniel Jones, since he's you know is currently going as a QB fourteen, I think it's pretty easy in best ball to kind of stack him with Darren Waller because Darren Waller I think is is undervalued, significantly undervalued. To, you know because we don't have um, you know a, a lot of certainty of who's going to emerge as the you know as as the top wide receiver, we'll talk to them. We'll talk about them a little bit later, but you know, I think Darren Waller's in line for a, a huge target share and we'll talk about him a little bit later, but, uh, but Daniel Jones is still in a good spot. They're going to continue to run him. And if he can get his, you know, passing yards up and, you know, kind of stay with the rushing production, I think he can still, you know, crack the top 12 um, like he did last year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I agree with everything. I mean, he had almost a 10, 10% scramble rate, which only second to, you know, uh, Justin Fields at 15%. So, I mean, right there, it tells you that a chunk of his fantasy points came from you know, just him running around. I mean, even the playoff game versus Minnesota, you saw him just all over the place running. I mean, just throughout the season, you saw him just getting chunks and chunks of yards. So uh, this is kind of a, a hopefully an evolution of him, you know, kind of just, you know, just kind of growing within the offense that Dable surrounded him with. Saquon Barkley, um, RB6 right now, underdog, going to 18th. So basically the middle of the second round. We saw him finish RB5 last year, points per game. And overall, I mean, he had, we saw him, he had hella touches. I think he had almost 70% of the rush attempts. Um, and he did this without without a good O-line. I think this O-line is what, what bottom third in the league in terms of you know, creating space for him and he just he had to make it on his own um, they, were, they were pff's 30th ranked o-line you see there it Terrible. is <laughs> and yet he had a top five season in, uh as a running back so i mean i just expect more of the same honestly like they got a bunch of jags at wide receiver uh so they're probably going to be relying on him and daniel jones to, to make it happen and hopefully uh darren waller um you know in terms of the wide receivers i mean all their adps are 75 or later in uh, at the position on underdog right now, you can get them at pretty much all of them at the end of your the best ball drafts. Uh, what 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th round, 
but you don't know who's going to emerge. Like, it's just, like I said, it's a bunch of Jags. You got Jalen Hyatt that's going 75th um, wide receiver for, I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know. You got Wondell Robinson, somebody that's recovering from ACL surgery. He's going 78th. Uh, I don't know. Isaiah Hodgins, somebody that emerged at the late late end of the season. He's going 79th. I mean, I don't know. Uh, Paris Campbell, somebody that is always, always, always hurt. Still really didn't do much last year with the Colts. And you, you get all this you know, pre-camp hype about him possibly being the guy, line up all these places. Okay, cool. Um, he's going 85th at his position. And you got Darius Slayton going 86th, somebody that they just re-signed what, to a one-year deal. You still got Sterling Shepard, who's recovered from an Achilles injury. Um, and then you even talked about um, I can't even can't even think of his name now. Uh, uh, Jameson Crowder, another wide receiver. I think he's going like a hundred, like yeah. a bunch of a bunch of Jags, a bunch. I of haven't guys seen there. him drafted yet on any drafts yeah. that I've done. I have not seen <laughs> bunch, Jameson Crowder drafted. Bunch of bunch of bunch of guys that are five nine, one eighty, and mixed in with your Isaiah Hodgins six four and Jalen Hyde at six three. So if you were to if you were to choose one, let I mean let's just go ahead and just ask that question really quick. <laughs> if you were to choose one, who who would have, choose one to emerge? Who who do you think would be Mike? We'll, let's start with you, since you're used to you know wide receivers and the Giants killing the Eagles. I'm gonna go with <laughs> I'm gonna go with Jalen Hyatt. Like I'll go with the rookie, right? Because there's so much of the unknown of how he will adapt to the NFL. But one thing I know about him. He's fast. You know, take the top off the defense. You're not buying. You're not buying the the the, the Paris Campbell hype. No, like uh, that's from, from that died. That died like two years ago, man. That's that's over. I'm good. You sure? <laughs> I mean, they're they're talking fast. him up. He's getting snaps at running back. He could yeah, be a okay. wide receiver one. Like he is getting all all of the talk, all no, of the hype. I'm good, man. You can have them all. I hope, oh, I got yeah. a dynasty league. I think I might have them, in if you'd like to trade me for anything, I'll take some fab or whatever. <laughs> I'll give you a dollar fab. I'll <laughs> take it. <laughs> a, a, a dollar fab. Who do you, who are you picking, Gene? Let me go with, with Hodgins since he had connection with them at the end of the year last year. Yeah, five TDs in the last seven games. I mean, he had he, he's had some production. I think did did they re-sign him or was he not? Yeah, not no, he was. Yeah, he was already on the team. I think. Okay. okay. Yeah, I think he had two year deal or something. I I can't remember, but I know he's still on the team. So. Yeah, I think um you know, I'm thinking with Mike here. I think I'm gonna go with with Jalen Hyatt here because I it's it's the unknown, right? It's the unknown. He's the, obviously he's 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 being drafted the highest out of all the wide receivers and they spent some draft capital on him, third round pick. Um he had a 90 90th percentile college uh yards per reception at just under 19. And so he can take the top off of the defense and he scored five touchdowns against Alabama this past year, 15 touchdowns total um on just, you know, 67 receptions. So he he was super productive, and you know if the you know one of the bigger questions is can Daniel Jones take that next step as a passer? Part of that's going to have to do with how they deploy Jalen Hyatt. Can they throw more throw more uh, throw more down the field? Um, because again, they have the third lowest A dot in the league, and Jalen Hyatt is there uh, to to help them you know raise that by by quite a bit. Um, you know, obviously they, they signed Paris Campbell as well. He he had some four three speed coming out of Ohio State. So these are two guys that can definitely uh, help raise that A dot and help take Daniel Jones' games to the next level. 
Um, and along with Darren Waller, who they traded for, and they also traded a third-round pick for him. Uh, he's currently going as tight end seven um, at around pick 82. The biggest thing with Darren Waller is, 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 is injuries, right? He's only played 20 games over his last two seasons, and so he hasn't been very productive. Um, you know, in 2020, I think 2021, I think, I think in 2020 and 2019, I think he had back-to-back, um, you know, 1,100-yard seasons. Uh, and he was, he was, he was eating, he was eating greedy. I think 2020, I think he had over a hundred catches. And so I think that was his true breakout year. And with the uncertainty of this wide receiver core, can't like, why can't Darren Waller walk into at least like a 25% target share? Right. I mean, I think it's, I think it's not out of the realm of possibility that he leads his team in targets and target share and target rate because it's provided he stays healthy. Him getting him at tight end seven, you know, this, you know, around the what the ninth round in drafts, eighth, ninth round in drafts currently will be a steal when it's all said and done. But he just needs to stay healthy. All right. So next, you know, we're going to say we're going to uh, we're going to go ahead and talk about our team, Gene and I's team, the Eagles rival, the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys coming off of another 12 and five season. They do retain Mike McCarthy. But they did fire Kellen Moore, and they brought in uh, Schottenheimer um, as their offensive coordinator. So um, the offense is going to look pretty different with Mike McCarthy now uh, calling plays. But some of the other moves that they made, uh, they cut Ezekiel Elliott. Um, I I think that move was a couple of years to you know a couple of years in the making. I think they should have cut him before last season. Um, mm-hmm. But um, but but to neither, that's neither here nor there. And I think the Cowboys are the only team that has shown interest in potentially re-signing him because I haven't heard of any other teams that want to sign him right now. But we'll see where we'll see where that where he lands. Um, but they also traded for Brandon Cooks, who I've been a, a long Brandon Cooks truther. And so um, I, I think that was a good move to to, to get back another number two receiver, at least try to make up for the baffling trade of Amari Cooper last offseason um, that I'm still going to talk about to this day as one of the stupidest moves um, that they could have made. And then they they reached for I mean sorry they drafted Luke Schoonmaker um, in the in the second round of of this this, this year's draft um, after OTAs he was in a walking boot so that was a that that just falls right in line with the Cowboys second round draft picks you know high upside injuries you know that 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 just seems to be a recurring theme with 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 the Cowboys second round draft picks. Um, and then they drafted Deuce Vaughn in round six, who was a prolific producer at Kansas State. Little guy, 5'5", 180 pounds, similar to Darren Sproles. Um, I, I, they, they gave him, you know, number 42, which is very ugly. I wish they gave him a better number. Um, hopefully, before the season starts, they give him a better number. Um, so let's, let's just, you know, you know let's, let's start a prayer circle for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> And so with Mike McCarthy calling the plays, let's go ahead and get into the really just kind of get to that that question really quick. Um, how how drastic of a difference do you think this offense will will be? Because I know under Kellen Moore, um, they were much, you know, they were the fastest, one of the faster paced offenses in the league since he was the offensive coordinator over the last couple of seasons. I think they had no, I don't think any season they they ranked worse than second in pace of play. And they ran a shit ton of plays, um, you know, 65 plays per game last year. Um, 68 plays per game in 2021. So how how different do you think this this offense will look um, with Mike McCarthy calling the plays? 
Um, they claim is going to be way more run heavy. I don't know, man. I don't think so. I mean, we ran the when we did the AFC West, we we heard Kellen Moore's splits. His splits were, I think it was like fifty-seven forty-three past the run. Um, I, honestly, I think it'd be about the same. Honestly, it'd just probably be a little slower. Um, I know Schottenheimer was in the building last year. He was what the the quality control for offense or something like that. So he's familiar with, you know, with the, with Dak, he's familiar with McCarthy. Uh, they say the, the verbiage in terms of the plays are kind of the same. So I feel like it's going to be kind of similar, honestly. I don't think we're going to see big of a change. We don't have a grinder, a trusted grinder in our, on our team. Uh, I don't expect them to just kind of grind Pollard like they did Zeke. So unless they, Unless they depend, unless they're going to really lean on Malik Davis, I just think overall our team should pretty much be the same. You you brought in Cooks, and you now you move Gallup as number three. Where you're you going to just start running more? You know you got pretty much three three decent wide receivers at least. So I don't see the logic behind it. Things be about the same. I'm with you there. I think they're going to throw the ball a lot more. I actually think they're going to throw the ball a shit ton. Um, oh. just from the simple fact, like you mentioned, like you can do the happy body dance that you want about, we're going to run the football more. Well, your running back is 205 pounds, like soaking wet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think you're going to run the football a lot more. Um, I, it's also a weird one where I could see them like bringing Zeke back in like a reduced role, hopefully, and hopefully they don't go down this road again. But, uh, it does just feel like whatever they do. Dallas is going to bring in another running back, but it does feel like they're setting themselves up just to throw the ball. I'm I'm with you, Ike. Like I really do like the Brandon Cook signing. Um, he's still getting disrespected everywhere. Doesn't matter if it's you know underdog ADP. Doesn't matter if it's dynasty startup ADP trades. Uh, Brandon Cooks in this offense with Dak Prescott being the number two to CeeDee Lamb really excites me. And sliding Michael Gallup over to number three, like I had higher hopes for Michael Gallup last year, and he really didn't do anything towards it until like the end of the year, and then he really started to look better. But I think him being in this offense as a number three is actually pretty good for Dallas as a whole. So I could really see them throwing the ball. I mean, you talked about the splits was 57% for Kellen Moore last year. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be shocked if we get to the end of the year and you look up and Dallas is throwing the ball damn near 60 times, 60% of the plays. Yeah, I mean, I, I I know historically, you know, Mike McCarthy has been a really, really – whenever he's called – whenever he calls plays, he's been really slow, um, slow-paced. Um, so, like like Gene said from the outset, I think they'll probably slow, slow the pace down a little bit. You know, hopefully they'll still remain in the top 10. They'll still be able to run a lot of plays. Um, but that remains to be seen. I, I, I still think they they should definitely you know look to air that thing out some more. And speaking of air it out, the guy that's going to be airing it out is going to be Dak Prescott, not Cooper Rush. For those guys who thought Cooper Rush's offense <laughs> was better, it, it wasn't. It was actually pretty dreadful under him. But um, we'll we'll talk about that later. Maybe not. Maybe we will. Um, Dak Prescott currently going as the QB twelve, so pick one hundred, so around the tenth round. Um, he was currently he was a third, you know, QB thirteen in points per game, thirteenth in passing touchdowns despite missing four games. Um, and he had a 5.8 touchdown rate, which is fourth in the NFL. Um, but the interceptions, that's what people are going to point to. He had 17 of them, at least half of them, you know, bouncing off the receiver's hands. 
you know, the other half of the, the other handful of them, you know, were pretty bad decisions by him. Um, but, you know, but ultimately, you know, his it, it was the highest interception rate of his career when, you know, most of his career, the vast majority of his career, he was under two percent. Um, but he was still pretty efficient um, once, you know, when he got back from that injury, from the finger injury. So in week six, so from week six uh, to week 18 and week 18 still had that that bad game against Washington. Um, he was fourth in EPA, um, EPA, uh, CPOE composite. So there's this, um, there, it takes basically the, the EPA per play and this, uh, completion percentage, uh, completion percentage over expected, um, and, and rates it at, at a composite score. Dak Prescott was fourth, um, behind Joe Burrow, behind Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. He was fourth in, uh, you know, EPA, uh, plus in CPOE, um, composite. So he was a, he was an efficient, uh, quarterback. When he was on the field, and obviously the Cowboys, they've they've had the number one offense on a points per game basis over the last couple of seasons um, with Kellen Moore uh, as the offense coordinator and with Dak Prescott as as the quarterback. Um, look it up; it's true. I didn't make it up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and you know he was 12th in QBR, 12th in EPA total, and then 11th in fantasy points per drop back. Um, so the the biggest thing with Dak though is that he doesn't run as much. Uh, he doesn't run nearly as much as he used to. His first three seasons, he had at least six rushing touchdowns per season. And since then, he's only had two rushing touchdowns total. Um, his, over his last two healthy seasons, he's only had two total rushing touchdowns. And so I think that's one thing that he can um, hopefully, uh, you know, do do a little bit more of. Um, because, you know, us Cowboy fans, if there's one thing that frustrates us about Dak Prescott is that he doesn't run enough or he doesn't run anymore. Um, he needs to start doing that, but maybe it's because of the the ankle injury, maybe it's a bevy of other things, maybe it's you know a mental block that he has, whatever the case may be. Um, he wasn't able to run as much, or he hasn't been able to. He hasn't run that much um, over the last you know c- couple seasons, um, and that could, and it, honestly, like last year, you can explain some of the interceptions um, because of the bad receivers that he had behind C.D. Lamb. He had Noah Brown basically running as his number two. Um, Michael Gallup was, uh, you know, not not himself, not the guy that we've seen, um, you know, since 2019. Since 2019, he's had a declining yards per route run, very inefficient and declining production. And so those are a couple of things that you know, that hopefully we can see uh, turn around for Michael Gallup and, and in turn help Dak um, because he did like throwing to Michael Gallup, especially in 2019 where he had that career year. So any thoughts really quick on Dak Prescott's uh, fantasy outlook? Um, I mean, I mean, you pretty much touched everything. He had bad luck with half those those interceptions. He's always been hella efficient. He still was last year. Just this Noah Brown being playing like as if he was a, a backboard on the basketball court for like half of those hit <laughs> picks. So um I just expect more of the same. I mean, our offensive line was what top five last year, just in everybody's back. So I, I expect more of the same, honestly. I just expect them to be efficient. I don't expect none less. So you get him at QB 12, I think it's good value. I, uh, I shouldn't be saying this because I'm an Eagles fan, but like I've been a staunch supporter of Dak Prescott this offseason because the hate just went too far on him. People act like he's dead. And, and you touched on a lot of good points. The the receiver options behind CD Lane were horrible. Um, Dalton Schultz, I've never thought was actually a good tight end. 
uh, he was just kind of in the circumstance of getting volume. So it's also saying that Dalton Schultz in Houston, I have no issue uh, just passing completely because I didn't think he was that good to begin with. And you're talking about the guy who was number two in targets on this team last year. So uh, Noah Brown was horrible. I, I didn't think there was any Cowboys wide receiver that was more overrated than Cedric Wilson until I watched last year and I watched Noah Brown play. And still, again, people in the offseason picking him up, <laughs> like like picking him on their dynasty rosters. I didn't understand it at all, but he was horrible. So Brandon Cook's massive upgrade for him. Dak Prescott's still a good quarterback. And I do think just me looking at Dak Prescott, the way the situation is right now, him not running as much as he has in the past and the rushing touchdowns not being there, I think there's going to be a few more times this year at least because it's Tony Pollard who's your main back. You don't have Zeke on your team. You don't have that guy who's the hammer anymore. We might see a few more designed quarterback runs, a little more read option down in the red zone, You know, try to get that walk-in touchdown for Dak Prescott. So I could see his rushing total actually going back up, maybe not to where he was – in his first couple of years, but definitely better than two total since then. All right, so on to the running backs really quick. Uh, Tony Pollard, I mean, he's probably the only guy we need to re- we really need to uh, discuss. Please. He had, an awesome, he had an awesome year. RB. He's currently going as the RB7, so pick 22. So basically, the you know, the towards the end of the second round, I think he should be pushed up higher um, because, you know, obviously he's, re- he's recovering from an ankle injury um, from the – from the playoff game, but they say he's going to be full go when it comes to training camp. But man, he had a a monster year, even with Zeke, you know, stealing all those goal line carries, which we'll talk talk about here in a second. Um, about 16 fantasy points per game, that was top 10 in the NFL. He had over just shy of 1,400 total yards and, tw- and double digit touchdowns. Um, there were, I think, about 12 or 13 players that scored double digit touchdowns last year. And Tony Pollard's longest average touchdown length was a was just over 25 yards just mm-hmm. over 25 yards um, per touchdown so just think about that like he's he, he he makes he makes house calls um from long distance um he wasn't used much in the red zone um because that was zeke's territory zeke had had the third most carries of in, you know inside the five yard line um i think zeke scored 12 touchdowns and his average touchdown touchdown length was about three three yards so go figure right go figure um, but yeah, Tony Pollard, you know, had a lot of explosive runs, 16% explosive rush rate. Um, and that's great, you know, uh, runs of 10 plus yards, just, just killing it every single time he touches the ball. Um, but yeah, man, Tony Pollard, I think he's teed up to smash. This backfield is all his and he's an elite receiving option. Um, he had a 75.7, um, pre-FF receiving grade that's behind Christian McCaffrey, behind Joe Mixon and behind Austin Eckler. Um, elite yards per route run, um, just just you know, kind of missing the elite tier and targets per route run at twenty percent. So he is real. He's he's pretty close. Um, and again, like there was that one big game he had against the Vikings where he had he caught that one uh, that wheel route down the sideline. Uh, you know, on that linebacker, and he had another rushing, another receiving touchdown from thirty yards out. And so there's there there's opportunities for big plays for Tony Pollard and. Since he doesn't have Zeke to worry about, um, it's there's there's it's not out of the realm of possibility that we can see Tony Pollard as a top, maybe the top running back overall in fantasy, or maybe at least a top three running back in fantasy. What are you guys' thoughts on him? Yeah, potentially. Yeah, um, it really. I mean, it really depends on if who if they're gonna bring in another person. I think um, 
this is probably somebody they're going to lean into. I know he's on a, he's, you know, on the franchise tag. Um, Malik Davis is not going to be much of a factor at all. So this is his backfield until otherwise. I just, we should see more of the same um, in terms of usage. He should get more red zone opportunity. Just, I just think that he should smash. Um, getting him at the end of the second is a great, is a, you know, it's a great bargain. Uh, once we yeah. get closer and closer, you can see him actually healthy and running, and it'll probably shoot up a little bit more. So, he was already in the conversation, right, as one of those guys, at least from what he did last year as an elite running back, just from fantasy points scored. The efficiency metrics, I look at the warp, he's, he comes at a warp at the 16th overall player. Like He's already in the conversation when they were still giving far too many touches to Ezekiel Elliott, like far too many, and that's dead and gone now. So it does sound hot takey when you say like he could be in the discussion for RB1 overall, but it's really not. He was already there, and now the situation got a little bit better. I and I don't think it's crazy to say because he's right behind – Guys that I'll absolutely pound the table for. Nobody has what would think it's a hot take like Saquon Barkley. If I said Saquon Barkley is in a discussion to be the RB1 overall this year, everybody's like, whoa, that's about as lukewarm as you can get. Or Derek Henry's in the discussion <laughs> to be RB1 overall. That's not a hot take at all. But you say Tony Pollard and people lose their minds. So, yes, Ike, you're, you're a thousand percent right. He is in the discussion to be the RB1 overall. Now, do I feel good about betting on it and projecting that? No, I'm good. Like, you got to give me really good odds because <laughs> there's a lot of really good running backs. But, yes, he's in the discussion, at least. Tony Pollard is really good. Tony Pollard or Nick Chubb? Ah, that's another one that I love that's a favorite, right? Second year, Deshaun Watson, Nick Chubb in that offense. Bye-bye, Kareem Hunt. Nick Chubb has kind of been my dark horse all year for being RB1 overall in 2023. But I will say this. The situation did improve as well with no right. Kareem Hunt. I so. will say it's, it's probably it's probably more like a 55-45, but I'll say Nick Chubb <laughs> just because that's been my guy for a hot minute now. Okay. Gene? Yeah, yeah, I'll probably be about the same for Mike. I mean, he had 302 rush attempts last year with with Kareem Hunt. so. Yeah, I know. Is this the last year of his contract? I don't know if he signed any extensions or anything. Or he has not, but I believe this is the last year for sure where they can get out of him next year. I believe, but I mean, I, they've been hyping up Jerome Ford, but mm -mm. <laughs> mm -mm. Yeah. I think I like Nick Chubb a little bit better this year than, than Pollard, but who's, it's close. <laughs> who's more less exciting, Malik Davis or Jerome Ford? <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, mm, it's a good question because uh, it's a push. Moving on, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> moving on to the wide receivers. Uh, Ceedee Lamb obviously uh, clears this receiving core um, by by a wide margin. Career year, over thirteen hundred yards, nine touchdowns, just shy of eighteen point fantasy points per game. He was seventh overall, um, fourth in targets, one hundred and fifty six targets. Finally, we have a, a you know we have a wide receiver that they that they that they spoon fed the ball to numerous times. And the one thing that we criticized the Cowboys about for years is that they did not move 
their wide receivers around that often, right? They they didn't they pre-snap motion was not a thing. They would just get to the line of scrimmage and they would just run the play. They wouldn't be very, very creative. But last year, CD Lamb was all over the all over the formation and he got a lot of, you know, a lot of you know, you know kind of easy catches um over the middle, dominate on the outside, dominate in the slot. Um, and that led to a career over hundred catches. Um, he was, you know, seventh in target rate, ninth in target share, um, air yards. He was top 10. So I think, I mean, honestly, I think this is a, a question we need to ask is does he belong in the, in the, in the elite tier of wide receivers last year's production and his usage, um, points to that being a yes. I, I mean, I, I think, I mean, obviously with Kellen Moore moving on to, to, to Los Angeles, you know, I mean, it's, it's fair to say, uh, it's fair to question that, but. CD Lamb, the players. I mean, he's you, you continue to move around, continue to use him the same way, um, and he's and he's going into year four, and he's going to continue to get better. I think he belongs in elite tier. What do you guys think? Uh, I believe he's he's in. I think he's close. I wouldn't say elite, but I think he's like right there. He, I mean, he ran the fourth most uh, slot snaps routes ran. Uh, He's only one of five players that ran over 400 uh, routes per uh, routes in the slot position. Uh, and he was, I believe he was top 15 in terms of target share from the slot. Uh, he was top 10 in yards per route run from the slot. Uh, so he's primarily in the slot. He dominated in the slot. Um I mean, he's I think he's right there. I think I would want to see him do it for another year. Because like you said, how many how many years have we been asking for the Cowboys to you know pick a wide receiver one and just like feed him, known, yeah, make him, him make make it known that he's a wide receiver one. They never done it until last year. Obviously, they had to because there was nobody behind him, and he showed out that like, hey, you can trust me. So I think for me, I would want to I want to see it again. You know, with a, a healthier uh, Gallup. You know, you got Brandon Cooks, who's always over a thousand yards per season. Right beside him, I want to see him do it, and then then I'll be like, all right, this dude's elite. I got I got nine guys in my elite tier. Like if we're going to talk about elite and what I consider elite, and Ceedee Lamb is firmly within there. Dynasty mm-hmm. redraft doesn't matter for me. And people get mad at me when I say this, but I think I've said it a few times now. They they really get mad when I just look at dynasty ranks and I talk about that. Jamar Chase is far closer to CeeDee Lamb in value than he is to Justin Jefferson in value. Like mm. Justin Jefferson is so far at the top. And Jamar Chase, like, yes, he's a great number two dynasty wide receiver, but we always talk about it as 1A and 1B in dynasty terms. It's not. It's one and two. And sitting at three for me is CeeDee Lamb. And that's why I say, like, he's much closer to a CeeDee Lamb type than he is to Justin Jefferson. So, from a dynasty perspective, CeeDee Lamb, yes. I mean, you can't get too much higher than sitting at number three. You only got a couple options to get jumped over. But if I just look at it at a redraft or if I'm, you know, building a contender, I'm looking at value in the receivers I want. CeeDee Lamb still sits in that top eight tier of guys that I want, which does include Amon Ross St. Brown, by the way. So I'll throw that hot take out there. Okay. Don't think it's a hot take. Do not think it's a hot take. All right, just kind of rounding out this receiving core, we got Brandon Cooks going at wide receiver 43, and then you know, Michael Gallup going at wide receiver 58. Um, Brandon Cooks was just in a bad situation last year. Had a, I, think he had a, I think he had his second 
lowest uh, output uh, of his career last year. Um, you know, again, just catching passes from Davis Mills. I don't think he's washed. I think he still has, you know, some left in the tank. Had 11.2 points, fantasy points per game. Um, that was, you know, kind of wide receiver three, four territory. So I think he can kind of, I think he can improve upon that. And then Michael Gallup, a wide receiver 58. He's basically going for damn near free towards the end of drafts. I know he's been moving up over the last like month or so. Uh, I know Gene and I, we've we've kind of spotted this in some of our underdog drafts that we've been doing. Michael Gallup's been coming going up. Um, but you know, year two, you want to bet on year two post ACL tears players. Um, you know, these these guys, you, this is usually when they start kind of feeling like themselves again. And I think Michael Gallup is firmly in line to 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 take another to take another leap um, coming off of his uh you know his ACL, ACL tear um, back in 2021. Um, like I said earlier, since 2019, where he had a 2.16 yards per route run, it's it's declined. You know, each each year since, you know, 1.34, 1.37, and last year was a putrid 1.0 <laughs> yards per route run. So that's that's terrible. Um, I don't think that's going to happen again this year. Uh, I think he I think he bounces back. Uh, and this passing attack is going to be it's going to be on and popping. So I think this uh, there's 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 room. Uh, to grow for both Cooks and Gallup um, to to basically prove the haters wrong, and then lastly, uh, the tight ends. Um, it's it's a shit show. It's a shit show. Let's just be honest. Um, Jake Ferguson or, or Luke Schoonmaker. Uh, it's going to be one of those two guys uh, right now. At least who looks like to be in the lead is Jake Ferguson because Luke Schoonmaker is you know in a walking boot. Nobody knew about this injury until after OTAs. It's like oh, he's in a walking boot. He's injured. Go figure for a second round pick, Cowboys second round pick. Uh, he's injured, and so I mean that's just um, that's just one thing we have to kind of you know keep an eye on. But they did, say, but since he has the draft capital, the second round draft capital, there's a chance that once he gets healthy, he'll he'll play more snaps over Jake Ferguson, um, and he'll be on the field a little bit more. So um, that 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 situation remains to be seen. We're not touching him in, in best ball, right? We're not touching them until we get a little bit more clarity. Even with our last pick, we're not even looking in this direction. Uh, I might have taken Jake Ferguson a couple times um, early on in the offseason, but outside of that, I'm not really looking to, to 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 have any of these guys on my roster because at the end of the day, you don't want to take blanks, you know, throughout the, you know throughout the you know throughout the season. And some of these guys, based on their profiles right now, they may not give you anything uh, for a while. And so. Stay away. Stay away. Agreed. All right. Last team. The, Wash- the Washingtons, as Ugh. Mike like to say, because he doesn't want to say their team name. You can say we're, it. You can say it. But I won't We're talking about the commanders. Um, moves. They cut Carson Wentz, something that they've uh, you know instantly regretted signing, and now they released him. They assigned Jacoby Brissett. They've added Eric Bieniemy as their new head uh, OC, not head coach, tripping. New OC, um, I guess, to prove that he can call plays. Uh, interesting. And uh, they drafted Chris Rodriguez in the sixth round, uh, you know, uh, running back from Kentucky. Uh, uh, the most notable news for me in terms of their moves is Eric Bieniemy. How is he going to change his offense? Uh, because last year, the year before, it was just blah, very, very blah. And uh, 
hopefully he re-energizes the offense. We've been, you know, Riverboat, Riverboat Ron talking up Antonio Gibson for another year, blah, blah, blah. Hopefully they actually, you know, put him to use as the best running back on this roster. Um, you know, open up this offense because they got some good, I think they got some good wide receivers. But um, you know, the 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 question I'm already gonna get to is the quarterback. Because that's all it's going to depend on is WTF. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we know who they're leaning towards because they keep talking about him. But do you actually believe that Sam Howell is going to be the guy? And how's that even going to look uh, for for fantasy purposes for some of these weapons that I'm sure you have on your rosters? I uh, I love Sam Howell as a prospect. Um, was very, very high on him. And then he got the uh, the draft capital of – Somebody that I should never care about ever again. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he didn't do anything. He didn't do anything until the final game of the year against yep. Dallas. And then he looked phenomenal in that game. And they go yep. and they go, well, we're going to give him a shot. Um, like, he was yeah. the QB7 in yeah. week 18. I'm like, yeah, sure, you're going to give him a shot. Like, yeah, everybody always says that. We're going to give him a shot in 23. And then they signed Jacoby Brissett. I'm like, okay. Maybe they actually are going to give him a shot. Jacoby's just kind of – Jacoby was good last year, but he's always just kind of been okay. You know, he's never been phenomenal. Sometimes he's been downright bad. He was decent enough last year, but he's always going to be one of those guys kind of like the Teddy Bridgewater that just bounces around from team to team, and we yep. need a solid veteran leadership backup role. I think Sam Howell's going to get a shot. Now, whether he can make it a full 17 games as the Washington quarterback and not piss hmm. down his leg – per se, uh, that's two to be determined. But I would say if you if you draft him at ADP and redraft or best, you know, uh, underdog best ball, which you probably shouldn't be drafting Sam Howell. He ain't getting drafted in redraft. I'll okay, tell you that right now. No, Thank yeah. You. Redraft, yeah. he ain't getting drafted. <laughs> <laughs> you probably shouldn't not. be drafted there. But, but, in best doing ball, but in best ball, he is going to get drafted, like, literally so 15, 16. Right. If you're going to do it, I think you just expect that you're probably getting five to six games and anything more than that's going to be a bonus. And I do think Sam Howe is going to get the majority of the work at quarterback and be the one that we actually care about if he does anything. But uh, it's more to the story of, okay, well, the quarterback situation, I don't think it's that bad where the wide receivers can't thrive, McLaurin and Dotson. I don't think it's that bad where the running back in Antonio Gibson can't thrive with Eric Bieniemy there. It just you really just don't want to be banking on the quarterbacks themselves because they have a lot of uncertainty. The skill players are probably fine. The uh, the quarterback itself probably something you want to shy away from. The one thing I'll say about Sam Howell really quick before we move on to the running backs is he did have over 800 yards and 11 touchdowns in his final year in North Carolina. So he can run the ball a little bit. Yes, and yeah. he was breaking yeah. tackles too. Um, I don't have the exact stats in front of me, but he. He he was he he showed an ability to break tackles. I don't obviously that's not his, a guy of his stature. That is not necessarily transferable um, into the NFL. But I don't know. There there could be something there with his legs. Uh, late, especially that late in drafts, he could be a pleasant surprise. A pleasant surprise. All right, running backs. Um, running Antonio back. Gibson. Running back. Antonio <laughs> <laughs> Gibson. I have to talk about Brian Robinson. I know um, 
we've been on record that this guy, he's just a guy, man. He's just a plotter. But he is getting drafted in the underdog, wide, uh, running back 36, 109. So pretty much the end of, what, the eighth round, the beginning of the ninth round. And uh, and then you got Antonio Gibson is getting, going at running back 35. He's been climbing up. He's now over uh, Brian Robinson now. Finally. finally. Yeah, finally. Um, he's going at 107. So the running back right, right before Brian Robinson. Um, Antonio Gibson's average was 11 points per game last year, which was 28th, despite being quote unquote the backup, not really getting any chances till what towards the end of the year where they kind of like, okay, he can, I didn't realize he can catch the ball, even though that was his, that was his thing. That was his calling card in college, but who am I? Um, but you, like I said before, Riverboat, Riverboat Rivera has been talking him up, uh, saying that he's really he's really looked good pass, uh, catching the ball, you know, go figure. Um, and then we've been hearing that the OC wants to get him more involved. Obviously, that makes sense because he's the best running back on their team. Um, should really shouldn't be any competition, but for some reason there is. And then you got Brian Robinson, who started over, uh, you know, Gibson as soon as he came back from his, his gunshot wound. Uh, we saw him. Uh, have almost 800 yards and I think two touchdowns his rookie season, uh, nine points per game, which was what 36, so basically a RB three season for for a running back that had majority of the rush the rush attempts for this team. So uh, didn't break over yard four, uh, four yards per carry, had less rushing touchdowns than Tony Gibson, and Tony Gibson was the backup. So what are y'all thoughts about this running back room? I, I mean. I mean, it's obvious, but I just want to hear y'all's thoughts. Just real quick on Brian Robinson. Um, out of 41 qualified running backs, he was 33rd in yards per carry and 35th in yards after contact per carry. Uh, so, again, just a jag, gets what's blocked. And, you know, to your point, what you just mentioned, he was outproduced by Antonio Gibson, despite Antonio Gibson being a backup. He had over 800-plus total yards and I think five or six touchdowns, and then Brian Robinson only had two touchdowns and 797. Um, r- rushing yards and, and Brian Robinson had just 12 targets <laughs> on the season and only caught nine, pa- nine passes, nine passes for 60 yards. So he's a zero in the passing game. And it's, I mean, I, I just think it's wills up for Antonio Gibson. I mean, he's, he's got a 24% targets per route run. Um, that's basically elite for a running back 1.48 y- uh, yards per route run, which is also really good. Um, so again, like he's going to get all the passing down work and he's probably going to be, um, mixing in a little bit more um, on those early downs as the season progresses, uh, just to show that he was, that he's the more superior player and the most, the more explosive player. I, I can point to this example of the, the dreadful Thursday night game that we watched between the bears and, and the, and, and the Washington's, I think uh, week, week four, week five. Like that game was just dragging on and on and on, and they decided to give Antonio Gibson the ball. I think consecutive plays he ripped off like fifteen, twenty yard plays, and then that just basically jump started um, their offense, and then they ended up scoring a touchdown on that drive, I believe. And so that's just, I mean, it, it's it doesn't have to be that hard. It does not have to be that hard. Get your best players the ball. Get your most explosive <laughs> players the ball. It should not be this difficult. And all these quotes. About oh man, he's going to be a matchup nightmare for defenses. No shit, no shit. He was a he was a wide receiver in college. He was a wide receiver in college. Of course he is. Of course he's a matchup nightmare. 
you just you just need to deploy him like 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 one. Um, and hopefully Eric Bieniemy coming in will help uh, facilitate that. And so I'm actually kind of excited um, for Antonio Gibson, and I'm glad he's finally going ahead of Brian Robinson because for for the longest time, especially earlier this spring slash summer, first day of summer, happy first day of summer, um, he was going ahead of Antonio Gibson by like five or six RB slots, which was ridiculous to me. And so wheels up, Antonio Gibson. I'm with you. You said everything I needed to know about Antonio Gibson. He's been the better running back. He still is the better running back. And uh, I can't wait till Ron Rivera gets fired after this year and we can just stop this. Um, and the next guy yeah. can can really just give Antonio Gibson the football and, and wear him out. So, well, unfortunately, he's on a contract year and he's probably not going to be back. That's fine. So. They're, gonna, they're bringing him back. They're bringing him back. Unlike <laughs> Jay Rich. So. Unlike what Jay right. Rich said two years ago. He's coming back. He's going to get a second contract. <laughs> I, I, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> All right. On to wide receivers. Tarek McLaurin, F1, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel. And I think that's about it in terms of wide receivers you can trust in this offense. Uh, Terry McLaurin is going wide receiver 25, uh, going at the 40, 45th pick overall in underdog right now. He was wide receiver 22 in yards per uh, points per game last year top 10 receiving yards and obviously he's a known deep threat in the league we got Jahan Dotson coming off his rookie season he's going wide receiver 40 right now uh 75th overall uh he looks really good when he's playing on the field but he was hurt uh, uh, quite a bit last year I mean every time you saw him on the field looked like he either you know completed a 20-yard pass or he caught a touchdown so um he can play outside he can play inside he looked Looked really good at playing on the outside. I know a lot of people expecting the, the second year leap. Uh, when we when we did the show, probably last month or two months ago, when we talked about year two wide receivers, he was under the bucket that uh, could potentially could be somebody that can you know break out and have a wide receiver one season uh, before his career is over for sure. Uh, but he just needs to stay healthy. And then you got Curtis Samuel, somebody that started off really hot, slowed down, and disappeared. So. Don't really know what the the make of what, what the, how they're going to use use him, but he finished with uh, a little over ten points per uh, game, which was forty four. So wide receiver four. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts about this wide receiver group? Uh, I mean, Mike, you've already talked about you don't think they're going to be affected too much for Sam Howell's quarterback. So what are your I, thoughts? yeah, I really don't. Like, do you think the quarterback situation is that much worse than what we've seen for the last couple of years <laughs> in Washington? I mean, it, it's not. Let's. We're used to it at this point. And, and in all reality, like Jacoby Brissett or Sam Howe, if, if you saw week 18, Sam Howe might be an upgrade over what we've seen over the last couple of years. So it could be better for him. Uh, Terry McLaurin's always the one that I felt like I've always been higher on than everybody else. And I love the guy and I have him so many places. The downside is like, I love this warp tool, but it sometimes it just breaks my heart when it, it, it tells me that I've been doing it all wrong. In half PPR, so whether it's in Dynasty or if it's in redraft, Terry McLaurin just kind of falls in that range of wide receiver where you're better off drafting an equal tier running back. Like if mm. he's, if you think Terry McLaurin's always kind of going to be around that wide receiver, like 20 to 26, 27 range, he's always going to hover around that range. Take the running back. Like take the running back because the running back has more upside. And in reality, if you look at drafts, you usually don't have to take the RB 24 like two wide receiver 24. It's more like, 
you know, maybe RB 15 to wide receiver 24 because people get so crazy about wide receivers yep. and drafting them. So that's probably the biggest thing with Terry is I lo- I've loved him for years, but I start looking at the data points and I go, damn, all right. <laughs> and I can't make a case for him, especially in half PPR, but in full PPR leagues and, you know, full PPR dynasty leagues. Yeah, you can make the case because it is a wide receiver. We generally don't hate wide receivers as much as we hate running backs because they could get injured at any moment, you know, and never play football again or whatever people say. But Terry McLaurin, PPR leagues, dynasty, he's fine. Half PPR, like if you're underdog drafts. Yeah, you're probably smarter if you take the running back because I bet it's probably not RB24 that you have to draft at that spot. It's more like 16. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, RB16. I think that's kind of the range that he's going. Um, I, I've I've always liked Terry McLaurin. He's used to playing with shitty quarterbacks. So I don't think anything really changes that much for him um, in 2023. Um, Jahan Dotson, um, you know, again, he was good when he was on the field, seven touchdowns. I think since week, you know, uh, from week 13 on, I think he was targeted on 20% of his uh, his routes. And so that that could be a number that can go up um, and maybe consolidate a target share because we don't know who the hell is playing tight end for them this year. And so we can see that consolidated t- target share similar similar to that of Philadelphia with, you know, just Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, and potentially Antonio Gibson as the three guys that are just going to get the majority of the targets. And obviously Curtis Samuel mixing in as well. Um, so. This, you know, it doesn't doesn't really change much for the receivers for me. Yeah, and it's funny that you brought up Jahan Dotson, how he finished towards the end of the year, uh, weeks 15 to 18. He was wide receiver 12 overall um, with a little over 14 points per game. Um, he He's good when he plays, man. He's good. So it should be interesting if he can stay healthy. And, I mean, you've already touched on tight end room. Who even knows? Cole Turner, Logan Thomas. John Bates, nah, bro. Like just a bunch of Jags. I had some hopes for Ar- Armani Rogers and that yeah. uh, you know, towards no. Achilles. Like that was yeah. a deep dynasty stashes that I'm doing. Yeah, and redraft. I don't think you should draft a Washington tight end. And I don't, yeah, fast. I don't think so either. And I don't think any of these guys even met the RAS threshold for you to even be looking at them. No, we're so, good. Yeah, I'll pass. Um, so the answer to the, the answer to the question of who to take as a Washington tight end is no. Right? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, as y'all know, uh, we've been pushing this underdog uh, ADP because, as you know, we're in the dog days of the the off season, so we've been doing a lot of underdog drafts. So please, if you know if you're interested in you know trying to you know get a head start in terms of what what it looks like in the, in the environment right now, in terms of you know where people are thinking about these players or how they're rating them right now and then going to underdog and then hop into one of these these uh, tournaments they got going for money. Use our promo code OTLFF. Get $10. You deposit at least $10. You get uh, you get inside the Destination Debbie Discord. 100% match up to $100. A lot of information that that's, that's you know, distributed in the, in the Discord in terms of trying to help you towards the underdog draft. So, you know, tap in with that and, you know, join underdog and get in one of these these tournaments and try to win some money. So as we are at the end of the show, we appreciate Mike, one of the one of the homies from the from the from the start. Appreciate you for hopping on. I know you got it. I know you you got some other stuff that are happening uh right now at the same time. So appreciate you, you know, giving us your time to you know talk to NFC East. You got anything that you want to you know, you know, spit out, you want to shout out real quick before we get up out of here? 
No, I just uh, appreciate you guys having me on. This is always good to do this every single year. And let's hope that, uh, you know, uh, we've made some 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 really good friendships and I, I look forward to it. You know, maybe in five, six years, you'd be like, this is the the seventh annual time we have Mike on to talk about his Eagles and we have the Cowboys rivalry. So I really appreciate you guys having me on. You guys are killing it. I love listening to your show every single week. So one appreciate of the very that. few as a, a lot of people don't know this. When you start doing a lot of content, when you start putting out a lot of shows, your time, if you work a real job and you have a wife and kids, your time is very limited, very limited. But I can honestly say that you guys from the get-go have been one of the shows that I keep in my rotation. You get me to and from work when I'm driving. <laughs> so when that, that episode drops, I'm listening. Now, good for me, time-wise, I don't have to listen to this episode because I'm, I was here. I did it. <laughs> I remember what you guys said. <laughs> I was here. So thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah no problem. Thanks, thanks for hopping appreciate on, man. You. Appreciate that. Make sure y'all tap into the August newsletter that drops every Friday, 7 a.m. You can find it anywhere on, on Twitter on one of our feeds, or you can just find it on Destination Devi on Twitter. Follow us at Off the Line FF. You can follow me at Fantasy Jeans at G E N E S. You can follow Ike at just underscore Ike09. And you can follow Mike at Iowa Mike on Twitter, man. He's a he's a good follow. And you know, if you you have something crazy that you say, he usually under under your comments saying something crazy back or or gifts so the, te- the tear down follow. king the tear down yeah, king tear down oh, king boy. himself man and also follow that uh their podcast for the chest you can find them they're everywhere they have some posted on 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 youtube damn near every day man so chop in with them so until then we appreciate y'all listening next week we'll be hitting another another conference maybe with another guest we'll see you never know but until then we'll holler at y'all peace